Welcome to Christian International's Teaching of the Week, a podcast where we dive into the best handpicked lessons from Christian International's vast library of sermons, lessons, and conferences. And so what I'm going to talk about this morning for just a few minutes is I'm going to talk about wind, wells, and wonders. Earlier this year, the Lord spoke to me and said, my people are out of breath. My people are out of breath. I started thinking about why are the reasons that people get out of breath. Number one, we're not in shape. I promise you when I ran around this church in my high heel shoes, I was out of breath. I have to admit, last night, I got a little out of breath. I'm a tiny bit sore this morning, okay? (laughs) Come on, church, we got to get in shape. We got to get, you know how we get in shape? We read our Bibles. We pray in the Spirit. We make decrees. We practice what we preach. Come on, we got to get in shape. Second thing that causes us to get out of breath is if we're sick. If we got heart sickness, if your heart's sick, you get out of breath. If you've got some other kind of condition in your body, it can actually squeeze the breath out of you. Listen, Scripture says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And God wants to go right to the root of hope deferred. I do not have a message of gloom and doom for you. Are there adversities that we're going to have to face? Yes. But I believe we are in one of the most hopeful seasons that the church has ever seen on the face of the earth. I promise you that darkness is coming in, but in the midst of darkness, Isaiah 60 says, the light, the glorious light is going to begin to shine out of the people of God brighter and brighter. And I believe that we are in our finest hour. But we're going to have to deal with the things that have made our hearts sick. We better forgive. We better deal with heart issues. Come on, when all the craziness started happening with riots and and all the things that started happening with cop shootings and everything, the Lord said, this is a heart issue. What's the matter in our nation today is a heart issue. And Proverbs says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. we got to guard our hearts, people of God. we got to deal with hopelessness. But one other thing that causes us to get out of breath is when we go to a new level. Dutch Sheets talked about that a little bit while he was here in the spring. But you know, my, my husband and I, we like to ski. We're not great skiers. We live in Florida, so give us a break, okay? But we do like to ski, and we love going to the Rocky Mountains. But something that we learned years ago is that my husband actually has a propensity to not just high-altitude sickness, but severe high-altitude sickness. And what happens is that basically he gets out of breath, not because he's out of shape, because he's in awesome shape, but because his body has a hard time calibrating to the new level. And so what happens is that, I mean, the first time that we experienced this, he ended up with something called cerebral edema, which is fluid on the brain. And the only thing that the doctor said you could do is get off the high mountain. Come on, you got to go down the mountain. How many, if you fight to get up to a higher level, how many don't want to go back down? And so we understood cerebral edema, so we went back with Pastor Dean and Lisa a few years later to go skiing with our families, and he developed something else called pulmonary edema. And in the middle of the night, he wakes me up, and he says, honey, I can't breathe. And I said, okay, what's the matter? And he says, well, I got this little, like, tightness in my chest. And I said, okay. Okay. 
maybe we could turn the humidifier up a little bit and get some more, you know, moisture in the air. We did that. And then after a couple more minutes, he's laying there and he starts coughing just a little bit. <coughs> he wakes me up again. Honey, I got a cough. I'm not super compassionate. I will admit that, okay? I will just tell you right now that I was not like, like the compassionate, loving wife that maybe I should have been. But I just kind of said, okay, well, honey, maybe you can go take some cough medicine, you know, and let that calm down. And so he went and did that and laid back down for a little while longer. And he goes, <coughs> honey, I think I'm going to die. I just saw something on Facebook that said, you know, when a woman goes into labor, she, get, she catches a glimpse of what it looks like or feels like when a man catches a cold. Okay, so I'm, I'm just saying, okay? All right. <laughs> I wasn't very compassionate, all right? And so I was just kind of like, okay, honey, it's a cough, you know? And so he laid there for a little while longer, and after a while he goes, honey, I'm coughing up like a little bit of blood. It's like a little pink tinge in, in, my, in my cough. And I'm like, well, honey, you've been coughing for a little while. I'm sure you've just made your throat raw and, you know, and everything. And so you know, see if you can maybe just not cough. I'm just, I'm just telling. Just see what he has to live with, okay? And so as he went through that, after a few more minutes, he said, honey, I'm just not going to make it. I need to go see somebody. And I'm like, you have a cough, okay? You're going to live, I promise, all right? And so we got up and we looked at the clinic and I said, there's a clinic that opens at eight. You know, we'll get up in a few hours and we'll go. And we laid back down and he pops up about 10 minutes later and goes, honey, I'm not going to make it till eight in the morning. And I'm thinking, you've got a cough, okay? It's, you'll be okay. So finally, we just went and we called. I said, okay, let me call the hospital. I called the hospital, and they said, yeah, go ahead and bring him down the mountain. Don't let him drive. Don't let him lay down. And so we got in the car, drove down the mountain. I had to drive a 15-passenger van down an icy mountain slope. I'd never done anything like that before. Um, so his life was in greater danger than he knew. And when we got pulled up in front of the hospital, they came rushing out, and they said, are you the woman that called? And I said, yes, this is my husband. And by this time, he's really out of it. And they said, it only took me 20 minutes to get down the mountain. But, but this, this time they said, listen, the doctor, when I told the doctor his symptoms, he said, put a trace on that call and get an ambulance there. He'll never make it down the mountain alive. Because what he had was something called severe high altitude sickness pulmonary edema, which will kill you in about four hours. And by the time we got him to the hospital, his had, he had one lung 100% filled with fluid and a second lung, 80% filled with fluid, and the doctor said he'd have been dead in, in 30 more minutes. And I've been paying for those that night ever since. I just want to say, okay? <laughs> Honey, remember the time. Okay, yes, all right. <laughs> so, what is, so what is the issue there? It's that we went up to a higher level, but he, didn't, he wasn't able to sufficiently recalibrate to stay there. And I think that's what we've seen in the body of Christ is that people come to a conference like this, we go up to a high level, but we don't let ourselves spiritually recalibrate so that we can go then and walk from mountaintop to mountaintop and stay on a high place so that we can walk in victory and walk in dominion and walk in authority afterwards. 
So this week, I want you to let yourself recalibrate. Take notes if you need to. Make a note to self if you must. But I want you to begin to grab hold of things that when you go home next week, you're not going to say, oh, my gosh, look what's happened. What you need to do is let yourself become recalibrated to this new level of operation and understand new levels sometimes bring new devils. And you're authorized to deal with them. And when the Lord said this to me about people being out of breath, God took me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel 37, God took Ezekiel out, the prophet, to a valley of dry bones. And it says they were very dry. And God said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? How many understand some of you are looking at circumstances in your life, in your family, in your health, in your children and grandchildren, in your finances, in your churches, in your business, and in our nation and in your nation that look like a valley of dry bones. It says there were many dry bones and they were scattered. You know what that means? That means that he was looking at the battlefield of a great defeat, places of great defeat, where rather... Then honorably burying the dead, they left the bones to be eaten. A dishonoring defeat. A lot of you may feel like you've been through a dishonoring defeat in your life. You fought some battles and you feel like you lost. But I'm telling you, we are in a time of divine reversal. Where God wants to turn the valley of dry bones around for you. And God said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones Live. I love Ezekiel's answer. Oh, Lord, only thou knowest. How many of you have some of those things in your life? Kind of like, yeah, God, I'm, I'm not really so sure, but maybe you know. Do you know what the phrase dry bones actually means? When you look it up in the Hebrew, it means that which is sterile and unproductive. And it comes from the convergence of three Hebrew words, shame, confusion, and disappointment. I think the church in America has suffered some defeats. And we're looking at some dry bones and saying, can these bones live? Maybe not the way they did. But I believe that God wants to bring a supernatural turnaround. And cause the church to rise as never before. Not just in this land, but throughout the earth. That which brought shame. That which was a disappointment. That which brought confusion. Did you hear this word? Said that God wants to cause the geyser of his glory to rise up inside of us and just wash confusion away. Just lay your hand on your own head right now and just say, confusion, you need to go. In Jesus' name. So he said, can these bones live? And he said, Lord, only you know. And this was the solution to the dry bones. Prophesy. We cannot see dry bones come to life without the prophetic anointing being released in and through the lives and the mouths of God's people. What was the solution to begin to release the turnaround? It was for God's prophet and today God's prophetic people to begin to release the word of the Lord out of your mouths. Prophesy to your children. Prophesy to your finances. Prophesy to your communities. Prophesy to this nation. Because Psalms, 21, Psalms 29 verse 4 says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. And when you look at that word in the Hebrew, that word powerful, it literally means the voice of the Lord is a force. Oh, y'all didn't get that. 
What I just said is the force is with you. That's right. The voice of the Lord is a force. It moves out hindrances. It moves out blockages. Nancy, would you mind standing up for just a second? This is Nancy Alcorn. She is the president and founder of Mercy Ministries. My dear friend. And I am, if, and the staff, if you guys could stand up as well. Mercy Ministries has four homes in America right now. We're going to try to get one built right down here, just five minutes from where we are, so that we can help more hurting young women. Amen? They help young girls between the ages of 13 and 28 with all kinds of life-controlling issues like drugs, alcohol, depression, suicide attempts, eating disorders, all kinds of abuse situations, trafficking, sex trafficking, all these different things. They, they literally bring these girls in, love on them for six months, and the girls go out completely transformed. And part of the thing that, that we've been able to really partner with Mercy with, now Nancy's an ordained CI minister, one of the things that we do is we take teams into every one of those homes every year, and we prophesy the word of the Lord over these young women. It is unbelievable. I mean, we're amazed every single time we go at how the Lord touches the areas of their lives and by the word of the Lord breaks off the hindrances, breaks off the shackles, and begins to release the word of the Lord. I want to tell you just two things that we've seen in the last the last couple years just that, that, that begins to punctuate the fact that the voice of the Lord is a force. We prophesied over this one young lady in Nashville last summer, summer of 2015, and God spoke to her about a lot of her issues, spoke to her about the future that he had for her because God always has a future and a hope. And you know what? As we prophesied to that young woman and our whole team ministered to her, at the end of the prophetic time, we had not actually spoken to one issue of God, heal, of God healing her body in any area. We had not spoken to any physical issue of healing. Heart healing, mind healing, but no physical healing. But as we prophesied to her, God opened up her deaf ear that was born deaf. Listen, we didn't pray for her ear to be healed. Am I telling the truth? We did not pray for her ear to be healed. We did not prophesy for her ear to be healed. But the voice of the Lord was such a force that it broke the spirit of deafness off of her and caused hearing to come from an ear that she'd never heard from before because the voice of the Lord is a force. Prophesied to a young woman this summer. And as we were prophesying to her about, sounded like a lot of broken dreams, broken heartedness, a lot of pain that she was living in in her heart from disappointment. And then as we were prophesying, the Lord said, and this young woman has a debilitating illness or debilitating injury that shattered her dreams. She looked fine. She was cute, cute little thing, looked fit, looked in shape. And I just said, I, I felt like the Lord said, you have a debilitating illness, a debilitating injury, I'm sorry, that has broken your dreams. And she just started weeping. She said, yeah, she said that she had been a national level cheerleader that had over-rotated on a flip and had landed on her back and broken her back in several places. And she had had surgeries and she lived in excruciating pain. She was planning on being a doctor. She couldn't do the schooling because of the pain meds. I mean, her whole life was just destroyed by this injury. And the Lord said she has debilitating injuries. We continue to prophesy. And as we prophesied to her, I said, you know what? I believe that what God reveals, he wants to heal. And so as we continued to pray, I started to speak to her about God's healing power. And I said, you know, how, how much mobility do you even have in your back? And she says, I don't have much. She could bend over about like this. I said, how about back and forth? She says, I, yeah, I have no, because of my surgeries, I don't have any side-to-side -side movement really at all. 
And as we continued to prophesy to her, and I looked her square in the eye, and I began to speak the word of life, speak the word, the voice of the Lord into her dry bones. I declared the word of the Lord into her dry bones. And I said, I want you just to see what's happened now. And she said, well, first of all, I can tell you, it's like all the pain just lifted off my body. And I said, well, I want you to go ahead and just see if you can, if you can bend, if you can move. And she began to bend over. And I want you to know, I'm not going to do it because I don't think I can. She bent over and put her hands flat on the floor. Now, this is a young woman. I mean, right in front of all these other broken young women, God healed this young woman. She was doing her back like this, back and forth, right in front of our eyes, an instantaneous healing because we spoke the word of life into her valley of dry bones. We went to lunch. She, she basically was so desperate, she had pretty much decided that if something didn't change, she was not going to live. She was going to, she was going to end her life. She was in just so much pain. And I want you to know God healed her that day. We went out to lunch, came back. She came running up to us super excited. She says, let me tell you what I did at lunch. And I said, what did you do? And she said, I went out in the backyard and I threw round off back handsprings all the way across the backyard, which terrified me just a little bit, okay? But God completely healed her because the prophetic word went into her life and caused her valley of dry bones to experience resurrection life. That's the power God has put in us. That's why we keep talking and talking about the prophetic anointing. Because without the prophetic anointing, the valley of dry bones will remain a valley of dry bones. But when the prophetic words of life are released, we have the power to see the quickening life of Jesus Christ begin to bring dead things to life and see divine reversals turn things around. God said to Ezekiel, go out there and prophesy. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And then he prophesied, and then he said, now prophesy again. Bishop said that we are now in the second wave of the prophetic. When, is, when God told Ezekiel, now prophesy to the, again. And this is what he told him to prophesy to. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy to the four winds. And say, come and fill with breath. What were they going to fill? Well, remember... They were dry bones. But somewhere between the first prophecy and the second prophecy, there was a shaking and a rattling that happened. And I felt like the Lord said to me, the shaking that we are seeing in our nation and in the earth today, the shaking is going to be our making. You see, when you look that word shaking up, it actually means chaos and confusion. But it took chaos and confusion to bring that valley of dry bones into a place where the bones came together and then stood up on their feet, an exceeding great army filled with the breath of God. The confusion and the, and the chaos are going to work for us, not against us, if we'll get our hearts right. The chaos and confusion let me put it this way, will eventually work for us. We may have to buckle our seatbelts in between, okay? And then he said, fill them with breath. I just want to read you what this word breath actually means. I know I'm just on point one. I'm just going to skip over point two. But let me just say this, tell you what the word breath means. Someplace in my notes. It means a violent exhale. It means it will... 
when, when this breath occurs, it will bring courage. It will release a prophetic spirit, import, imparting warlike energy. This is, the, this is what the word breath means. Ruach. Imparting warlike energy and executive and administrative power, endowing men with various gifts to release the energy of life, to release the manifestation of the Shekinah glory of God. God's going to fill us with that breath. We have a lady in our church that is, uh, her name's Marie. I don't know if Marie's here. She's one of my favorite people in the whole world. She does my hair. She's done my hair for 30 years. I love her. Okay? I love her dearly. But a couple months ago, something happened in her, in her salon. She had put the color on a lady's hair. The lady needed to use the restroom while the hair was processing. And she got up and she took three, two or three steps and fell over, collapsed on the floor of her beauty salon. And when she collapsed, she heard that sound that sounded like, <sighs> she was gone. The breath had gone out of her. The life had gone out of her. They called 911. They called her husband. But there was no breath in this woman. Somebody yelled, does anybody know, not, know CPR? And nobody knew CPR. But Marie thought, you know what? I don't know CPR, but I do, knew, do know something. And she walked over, and she put her hand on this woman's chest, and she just said, breathe. And when she said the word breathe, the woman went, <gasps> And took a quickening breath. Now the woman continued to breathe, but she did not wake up. The ambulance was on the way. At that point, Marie thought, you know what? This woman's going to live. So I better get this hair color out of her hair. So she and the other ladies picked up this unconscious woman, drug her over to the shampoo bowl, put her head in, washed the hair color out of her hair, put her back on the floor, and then waited for the paramedics to get there. Now, that's what I call doing your job, okay? How many understand, number one, we've got that same power to speak breath into areas that do not have breath. Number two, we've got the anointing that's going to fill us with breath where we are lacking breath. I'm going to quickly just jump to point two and point three in the next five minutes. Point two is wells. See, God is causing wells to spring up inside of us. Wells of anointing, wells of life, wells of joy. And you know what? When you study out wells, you actually, that two weeks ago when I was saying, spring up a well, spring up a well, and I was crying that out, the Lord said to me, you've now come to Beersheba. You've now come to Beersheba. Beersheba was the place in Genesis chapter 21 that Abraham made a covenant with his enemy. It happens in the chapter after 25 years of looking for a promise to be fulfilled, finally, Abraham and Sarah had a baby. And they saw the prophetic fulfillment of the word of the Lord. And at the end of that chapter, God, throughout that chapter, God dealt with all the mistakes that Abraham had made during that 25 years of waiting. Come on, God gave him a strategy on how to deal rightly with Hagar. How many maybe have made some mistakes in your waiting for the prophetic word to be fulfilled? How many maybe have helped God out just a little bit sometimes? God's going to help us deal with our mistakes and give us a strategy to see it turned around. And he also gave him peace with his enemy. And it says that 
while they were making a covenant of peace, that there came up this issue. And he said, okay, I'm going to make peace with you, but here's an issue. I dug a well, and your servants took it over, and I want it back. How many think it's time to start taking back what the enemy's stolen from us? Come on, we got to get out of this K-Sarah-Sarah mentality. Whatever will be, will be. We've got to realize that God has put authority in our hands to wage war and to start laying hold on the things the enemy's stolen and start taking it back. Amen? we got to let our spirit man rise up to hope again. So he took it back, and it says it was in that place that he made a covenant with El Olam, that he worshiped El Olam, the God of eternity, the God that's outside of time, the God that keeps covenant generation to generation. Thank you for listening to Christian International's Teaching of the Week. For more information on conferences, training intensives, and other resources to help make a powerful difference, please visit our website at christianinternational.com.